Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Inside the Eight Podcast. I am back this week again solo. Um, last week I had Jenny Levy solo, and this week I am fortunate enough to have Tim McCormick, head coach of Arizona State University, and they are crushing it right now. So I got him at this time for a reason. So Tim, welcome. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Colleen. Really appreciate it. Happy to be on here with you. Cool. So let's start. How's it going? How, um, you know, what are the things that are clicking for you guys in the season? And what are the things that I guess, you know, you're excited about either potential wise or that you're doing well right now? Yeah, I think right now our main focus has been on having fun every day and getting better every day. Um, you know, whether that's a Tuesday at 8 a.m. or a Friday night where that's the focus and that's the goal and the drive. And, um, you know, we have a we have our entire team kind of taking ownership in that. And it's been a lot of fun to kind of watch the progression, um, you know, since since we got here way back in the beginning of the spring, but even the fall as well. Um, I think we're doing, you know, we've, we've made strides across the board. It's, it's been fun to, to see it happen in front of our eyes. And obviously, you know, the work that the assistants put into that and, and the players themselves have, um, you know, done, done nicely for them. And, uh, you know, I think on the offensive side, we're, we're, we're making great reads and, and playing free and defensively, we're just really making it tough to, to score, which is, you know, obviously what you're trying to do there. And then on the draw as a draw unit, we've, we've battled, scrapped it up and played as a three man unit. So those things have, have really come along and um, it's been fun to see it. That's awesome. I mean, I think the hardest thing to do is to change a culture. Um, I obviously was part of that at Colorado. Actually it was not, we got to start the culture at Colorado. What you had to do is change the culture, which we've talked about is, you know, change one. Um, so what have you, thought has been like the hardest thing or maybe it was even easy that you thought it was going to be hard to do coming into this new role from Northwestern and we'll get into that a little bit and what you learned there but to Arizona State what kind of was the main culture thing yeah you know I, I think that um, we tried to kind of just leave the past as as it was um, you know and not overthink uh, whatever happened previously and, and really not even digging too much but but almost creating what you mentioned you guys had at Colorado which was just a fresh start uh, a new beginning and um, you know a, a, a clean slate if you will and, and we started with the simple phrasing that we wanted to make practice the best part of our day and and, and literally kind of just that was it I, I mean we didn't give them a pamphlet we didn't um, you know start spewing out all these terms and, and different things. We, we just started with, Hey guys, listen, this is, this is what we'll guarantee you. We will guarantee you that we're going to do our best as a staff to make the practice part of our day, the best part. And we just kind of believe that if we created that, that um, people would want to get better. People would enjoy getting better and enjoy being on field and, and having their sticks in their hands. And 
um, you know, it would kind of snowball into, you know, something that was really, really positive and something that, and, and just growth, you know, and I think that uh, what we've seen with, with that approach is that the team has taken ownership in it, right? So now it's their thing. Uh, as we've progressed here over a year and a half, we, we have evolved a, a ton and obviously uh, added some core values, but it was collective. It wasn't from us. We didn't ha hammer it down guys' throats. We, we, we talked about it together and we developed it, um, you know, a, as a unit. And I think that that type of ownership rather than buy-in um, has, has done really, really nicely for our team. And, and um, it's, it's been, you know, great to kind of be a part of that and watch our leadership um, grow in that sense and, and develop themselves as well. That's awesome. I mean, that's, I mean, when practice becomes the best day and you have that type of attitude and that mentality, you are winning every day. And so ultimately you are going to be better. Um, what do you think is the magic thing for you guys practice wise that like, is that healthy balance of like, you know, it's hard and it's intense, but it's also, you know, enjoyable. Does that make sense? So there's that yeah, fine sure. line where people like take it a little too far and then you have that it's such a mentality thing, the way they go into practice. So what do you think is yeah. that difference for you guys? I think that for us, uh, we're just trying to create an environment that is um, just a, a very safe place to make mistakes, um, to, to try new things, to challenge yourself um, on a consistent basis, knowing that it's encouraged. It's not you know, there's no handcuffs on you out there. Uh, in other words, if you throw up behind the back and fail or shoot it low to high um, and, and miss the net or hit the goalie in, in the leg, you're not, you're not getting ripped out of practice. You're not getting yelled at. Um, you know, we know that, you know, uh, maybe what you could have done better. And we'll, we'll tell you if we feel like we need to, but there, you know, the environment that we try to create is completely safe and, and promotes um, creativity, promotes uh, freedom and fun, uh, you know, and, and I think the, the intensity part just takes care of itself through competition. So, you know, every, every drill we do has scoring. So they know that they're working towards something we do, literally like uh you know a 10 yard run after the after the, the each um phase of practice for the for the losing group um but i think that through competition the the intensity is ramped up but the the environment as a whole is created from the freedom and from the the creativity that we constantly promote and allow uh to happen throughout the course of each practice that's awesome. I mean, I just think, especially with girls, we are rigid and perfectionist in a way, especially the athletes that get to this level. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think that's the hardest part is finding that potential in an athlete or potential in a lacrosse player when they're scared or scared to make a mistake. You know what I mean? So then yep. those are the athletes that were like amazing. And then they get there and they plateau because then they get this mental game of like, now I don't even, now I'm not doing anything, you know? So it's really awesome sure. that you, you know, kind of foster that environment for people to make mistakes and you're not going to get in trouble and, and it's equal all around and 
you know, what, and I assume like you're probably your pace is, you know, fast and up, upbeat and tempo. Is that how kind of how your practices are like structured and what you guys are doing? Yeah. So we, we send the plan to the team every day before practice. They know exactly what, what penny color they're going to be in. They know what team they're on. They, they know what drill is coming next, what game is coming next. Um, this, this allows us to have that, that tempo that we need to practice at that you're talking about to be efficient as we can. We don't, we don't, we also don't, um, spend, uh, you know, extra time at that point, divvying up different players throughout the course of practice. It's known and we're moving. So everything's on a clock. Um, you know, we know how long each game section drill, whatever you want to call it is going to be, um, you know, and, and all of those things really matter because it, it saves time and, and time is of the utmost importance for college athletes right now. And, you know, we want to be conscious that they have things to, to do on their own. We're, we're going to take care of our business in our time slot and, and make sure that we're very cognizant of, of their time and what they have to do throughout the day. And that just kind of fosters more, more of what we were talking about before that ownership and belief and trust uh, that we have their back and their best interest. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the tempo, knowing the drills allows them to just kind of make their own movements. Uh, as soon as the whistle's blown, they're moving to the next thing. And um, there's not, there's not a minute wasted there for sure. That's awesome. That brings me back to my uh, wildcat days when, I remember, I think it was my junior year, we started to get the practice plan, exactly what the drills were. And, you know, we'd get videos of like, all right, this is the drill, know it. So you don't, you're not wasting time at practice. And um, obviously speaking of that and our connection through Kelly and Monty Hiller and what she taught me as a coach to player and what she taught you as a, you know, peer, what were, some, what are some of the main things that you brought from her that you learned from her and Scotty? And that culture, because you look at that coaching tree that came from Northwestern, it's growing now even more successfully with you at Arizona State. Yeah, I mean, the, a lot. <laughs> you really, you really can't unpack it all. It's, it's, um, it was an unbelievable six years. Uh, you know, it was like a master class uh, for myself in coaching and and just in the, the right way to do things. So I, I really, you, you can't unpack it all, but the, the basic gist and, and in short, what I'll say is that um, the most impressive thing is, is Kelly's willingness to grow and to learn, right? You, you got someone who's just so elite at what she's done and been at the top uh, who could easily just fall back on uh, Well, I know it, right? Like I've done this and I know this. And she actually does the complete opposite. She's constantly exploring for the next thing. Uh, what's going to make us get the next edge, right? This, this, this here and now is finished. It's gone. What's, what's the next thing that um, we have to start exploring or get ahead of the curve on, um, you know, and you could look at that from a tactical standpoint, from how they were winning championships in their early days to how they're playing today, right? I mean, they were okay when 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 the game called for it to win at seven six, for for better or worse, whatever the game they won the game, right? And and, and she was able to adapt and was ahead of that curve. Now, for all the people who have always said, uh, "Oh, that style, that this, that, or the other thing," they're scoring twenty five goals a game. You know, so what does that show you? Adaptability, growth, um, 
the willingness to learn and change it's it's unbelievable i mean you really cannot put words to to how um cool that was to see from someone who was just so good at what they did and then kind of you know my last couple years there the philosophy that i talked earlier about about this whole uh best part of your day thing that was a direct result of kind of my last couple years there where i just kind of watched this switch flip um, from the team, but also from us as a staff to, to that more, uh, that environment a little bit more so and watched how just loose it made the team and how free it made them. And it was, it was so impactful. Those, those couple of years were just incredibly impactful to, to my own growth as, as a coach. Um, I mean, and, and there's so much more in between the lines there. Just, I mean, they took care of me and, and our family, like we were family and, still do to this day. So, you know, I got a lot to, to thank those guys for, and they, they've been incredible. It was an unreal experience there. That's awesome. I mean, it's so crazy sometimes when you realize those subtle things, when you're now in your role, like, oh my goodness, like that makes sense. Like why are we, are we, cause Anne obviously was a protege of Kelly as well. And I learned from Anne and we used to sit there for hours, just like talking and Sometimes I didn't understand it, but now you understand it. Like you understand how much thought goes into practice, how much thought goes into every single little detail that you just overthink at some point, or you don't understand like why it's so impactful and yeah, so much. Yep. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. I, I think that um, all the analysis that, that we did and all the time spent on, um, you know, discussing, the good, the bad, the ugly, and, and working through it together in those, in the office and, and just trying to, you know, find the right thing for the, for that particular group. And that was another thing, right. Just adapting to the, to the individuals you have in college athletics, that's constantly changing. So to the, to the point that you're making, having those conversations and being diligent on, on those conversations is really massive. Um, And it's certainly something we took away as well. Yeah, well, speaking of the, you know, adaptability and the, you know, ability to score a ton of goals, you guys are scoring a ton of goals. So talk about your offense. I mean, it's fun to watch. You're doing things that other people are not doing. I obviously break down your offense all the time with Jamie and I try and implement it with my high school girls. And, and it's, it's a, it's a funny offense where it's structureless, but it seems so structured. So explain kind of how you go about your Arizona state offense and just the looks you're getting with just amazing angles. And yeah. I think you help that being that goalie mind, like how important that is. So I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, for sure. So I think off the bat from an angles perspective is just the valuing of, of the high quality shot. Right. So um, in our practices, you know, we mentioned competing and everything we do, you actually will get rewarded for high quality shots. What we have classified as high quality shots, which we have a definition for and everything. So everyone knows. Um, and, you know, with that, it, it, that carries over to the game. So it's, it's kind of what we talked about before. If you get a high quality shot, that's celebrated. That could get stuffed. That could go over the net. You could bobble it and, or hit a pipe, could hit a goalie in the foot but it's celebrated. So those, those that typically had in the past been um, moments that were deflating to a team, high quality shots stuffed. Oh man. Right. The shoulder slump and everyone's like, okay, 
are actually like, okay, hey, let's keep firing. Let's go. Let's ride it now and get another one of those. Um, so I think, you know, just, just working for high quality shots has been, like you mentioned, something that we have emphasized um, constantly. Uh, the other thing is just reads. I think we are trying to teach reads uh, and that's kind of as simple as it, as it comes. We're not trying to teach set plays or, um, you know, these big picture things. We're trying to just teach really, really small reads that make us successful and give us the opportunity to get the high quality shot. Uh, you know, and they come in a million different forms. So to teach these reads, we, we just put them in a practice environment that they make more decisions than anyone in the country. I mean, I, I could firmly say that, that I, I believe that that's true. Uh, we make more decisions in our practice in our 60 to 120 minutes than anybody does, uh, you know, throughout the country. And that is what creates our ability to make these reads and fail, not make the right ones, make the wrong ones, um, but learn, grow and adapt and figure out how to get to the right ones more often. That's awesome. I'm going to have to make a professional development trip out there to watch a practice. <laughs> um, what would you say is like one of your go-to favorite drills that you just love doing that the kids get after it that you think helps their decision-making process? Um, so there's, there's a few, I mean, to start, let's just talk about the simplest one. We I've talked about it on here before, you know, and, and I know that, um, with what you guys do, you do a lot of it, but let's just look at a game of keep away. Right. I mean, uh, in a, in a 12 minute segment of keep away, let's say you go for two minutes on and a minute off and you get five reps, the amount of ball touches you get in that, uh, will be double any six on six or seven on seven or whatever kind of numbers that you have. And I'm talking a three on two keep away. Let's just look at that, boil that down three on three, even, um, you know, you're just, you're just enhancing the amount of touches you get time on ball time on action. And, and within that little structure, you can uh, create so many different things uh, to, to give you reads. You could say, okay, pick on ball, or you can say, pick off ball before you pick on ball. So now within that you're, you just created right with that mini um, constraint, if you will, a million reads that if you play it for your two minutes, you're going to fail on a bunch. You're going to read some perfectly and feel that. Um, and it's never going to stop. There's never going to be a, a stoppage of, Hey, you did this wrong. And, um, you know, I, I think that actually a lot of times we get in our own way as coaches by by stopping uh, talking, teaching, where if we just let the game kind of produce those things for us, um, you, you get really good at making these reads, you know, and, and I think that that's uh, something we put an emphasis on. I will go as easy, as simple as that um, to a game or a drill that really enhances your ability to make the right reads and, and have some fun. And, you know, you could go behind the back passes only, right. That creates some fun backhands, whatever ground balls, right. We we've done it with just ground balls to each other. Uh, that creates a whole new um, series of reads or decisions that you have to make. And um, you know, you, you can't stress enough that the quality and the time on ball and the time 
kind of in game is so much more valuable than anything I can possibly ever say to a kid. You know, even if it's the most incorrect way to do something, if I jump in there and stop it, um, rather than let that individual kind of find it and figure it out, it may take them a week, but they'll, they'll get there. These guys are adaptable. They're smart. They're playing at this level for a reason. And, uh, you know, I think I, I just personally, I just trust that, you know, and, and, and I say to myself, if I create this environment for them, it should teach them everything they have to know. Nothing that comes out of my mouth should trump anything that they figure out on their own. It's just really boils down to those few things. That's awesome. And I mean, it links directly to, did you read the inner game of tennis? I've talked about this. I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I talk about that with my girls all the time and it just, it makes total sense. Like you understand a feeling you won't, you can't say the words to a feeling that were, those words are completely different to you, to me, to the player. So you need to get them to actually like vision a feeling. And if they can't have the feeling in a practice then they're never going to do it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it. And within that book, I mean, so many things taken away from, from that, but you know, one of the biggest takeaways for me is the non-judgment, right? And, and we talk about that all the time. And that's part of kind of how we um, don't get overly, you know, on guys for, for decisions that they make, right? Because that fosters the judgment in themselves. And by judgment, I, I, what, what I mean and what the book means is you're constantly evaluating your own self, uh, throughout the course of a game, a play, whatever it is. Um, oh man, I shot that underhand. I shouldn't have shot that underhand or I hit the goalie in the foot. So you constantly have this battle within your own head with your actions, what you're doing and what you're capable of and what you're thinking and, and what you think should be the result. And um, the, the way that we practice, the, the environment that we create, what we're trying to do is strip that we're trying to strip the judgment because you don't have time in a game of keep away uh, to judge yourself. You have to get right to the next action and the next um, sequence. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely, it definitely, that, that book has been a big impact on a lot of this type of stuff for sure. Totally. I mean, it's, it's putting into a better way of understanding what coaches always say is like, get the next play, run after it, ride. Like, Yes. You have to change your mindset. So if you strip away any thinking, you know, and especially with shooters and, you know, goalies, yep. your goalies, it's 100%. Like, yep. You yep. Judge yourself, you're going to miss the next shot no matter what. Um, well, I, I said after I read that book personally, I said if I, I would have been, you know, a lot better goalie if I had read this in college. It would have uh, immediately, I was like, man, I, I wish I had known about this back then because yeah as a goalie it, it's all yeah it's, you're always in your head you have a lot of time down there you know and and that that book definitely drives you to, to get outside of that for sure I literally said the same thing I was reading I was like oh my goodness <laughs> could have been a completely different player I was like not that we both didn't have great careers but it's like there were times where I judged myself like so much like oh like why did I slide that way or why didn't I do this yep. and you're constantly critiquing yourself and that's why I tell my girls I'm sure the same way I'm like you do not coach on the field. Like do not tell someone what they did or didn't you. Cause like all you have to do is encourage each other. All you have to do is keep the momentum and, and we'll make the corrections if we even do, but like everyone yep. knows when they make a mistake. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, you you exactly. shot the ball high to high. You made a mistake. Yes. Doesn't yep. need to be, you know, acknowledged. Yep. Yep. Um, question about attack. Uh, and I've noticed this a little bit with a lot with high school girls, your off ball movement. So what is something that keeps them moving off ball that keeps them like, I started to emphasize, like, let's, you have to play off ball. Like you have the ball, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and yeah. they start to lose it though. We were in a tight game the other day when they, when we needed a goal, everyone started to stare. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I'm going to watch our best player try and score where when you don't need it and you're just playing through your motion a little bit easier, but I did notice in a pressure situation, our off ball movement wavered. Do you have any advice or, you know, what you guys do off ball that is helpful? Yeah, that's interesting. That's a, that's a great way to phrase it too. A um, couple of things. So I, I think the, the simplest way is to just kind of create a scenario where they know that this is what, kind of what they should be doing or if they're standing for too long, they have to do X. So, um, you know, easiest, easiest way approach to that is just your basic cut and cycle, right? So uh, if, if you're standing around for too long off ball, you could give them even like a time, um, get through and get out communication, Right. So I think I think that a lot of times all great off ball play comes with communication, verbal and nonverbal. But I think verbal is huge. So as opposed to who we tell our guys, I don't care if you tell your defender exactly what you're doing. I say I really, that all the time. Yeah. Tell them exactly what you're doing. So if you're the guy behind the guy who's jamming it up and you want that person to cut your teammate, just tell her cut, cut on her. Right. You're going to at least occupy, if anything, and clear them out. Um, You know, so I think I think communication on on off ball stuff is is something that um, isn't really stress enough. And I think people try too hard to be deceptive. But there is also pieces of of verbal communication off ball that is incredibly deceptive. Um, you know what I mean? Like you can tell them something and do something different and different things like that. Uh, And at the end of the day, as long as you're creating the, your own advantages, it's really hard um, for defenses to, to track it, pick it up and play it properly. I mean, they got to be perfect on it. So um, those are a few things. And then just uh, the, the last piece is kind of your gaze, right? Uh, Which means how you phrased it before, what what you're looking at um, could also dictate how well you play off ball. So whether you are looking at the ball carrier or you're looking at your defender or maybe your teammate who you're working together with at that moment. So I think, um, you know, your gaze and what you fixate on is another thing that could kind of help promote your off ball ability as well. Totally. I mean, it, it is crazy. The communication sounds so easy. We say it all the time yet they go frozen or they're afraid to say exactly what they're doing. And I, I say exactly, I'm like, you guys can literally, you can say the exact play that we're going to run. The defense doesn't, they're not, they're trying to figure it out themselves. Like, and they're not great power to that defender. That's going to like figure it out and listen to the attacker. That's also talking to their own teammate. Exactly. Um, and I mean, exactly. like the plays are simple. So it's like my dad always used to say in basketball, like Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant would run a pick and roll and say they're running a pick and roll and they'll still figure out the read to get the shot off. Exactly. 
Right. You're right. The, mm-hmm. the read's going to present itself differently. So, okay. you know, maybe they switch it. Maybe they get through it. Maybe they fight over it or get under it. Um, they know it's coming, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be an opening at some point within it. Um, I think, so yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. That's the point that like, I think they're afraid of. I'm like, no, no, it's the, you want them to make a decision because then you exactly. react exactly. to the read. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, heading into a little bit of your defense. So obviously you've kind of switched a, a role. I assume that you're like taking the lead a little bit on attack, but you have a defensive mindset. Did the goal is at Northwestern in the defense. What's your guys uh, go to D right now, man to man zone, a little bit of both. What's your kind of approach? We're, we're, pl- we're playing a lot of zone right now. Um, it's, it's the, you know, two lows, two elbows, two top guys type of zone that we've seen a lot of um, out West for sure in the past, uh, but also some teams doing it uh, back East as well. If you think of like Stony Brook-esque um, with, with a backer or a Rover. And, you know, I think we, we left, we left last season, whatever, six games, six or seven games in and, and had a lot of good, uh, film to look at and we started to kind of dissect you know the things that we felt like we did really well which there were some really good positive things but also some things that we needed some work on and we just dove into the fact that we believed in order to be the best in order to make it the hardest to score on us we needed two main things we needed to get pressure on the ball and we needed to um, be able to cover cutters you know, and I think both of those things are kind of hand in glove, right? By pressuring the ball, you kind of take the cut lane away a little bit, but, but if you can do them both, you really make it difficult. And we just put a big emphasis on that. And, um, you know, those guys have done a really nice job down there. They, they, they're tough. Uh, they limit your second chances. So when the ball's on the ground, it's, they're coming up with it. Um, and then, we got a great backbone. I mean, our goalie has been tremendous for us all year. Uh, and she has come up big and, you know, got, gotten us some big time possessions. And, uh, that always is a, is a bonus as well. That's awesome. Is she a veteran? Is she junior, senior, young? She's a fifth year senior. Yeah. So she's been with the program since day one and, and, uh, She's had she's had a really really solid career for for, for us and um, she you know she's she's taken it to the next level as we're seeing currently right now. That's great. I'm sure she was pumped to have your expertise join in just to get a goalie eye. I mean, it's just important. I think for I sure. Make sure I have a goalie coach of someone that knows the position. Like, yeah, absolutely. It came in. It was funny because I she's unorthodox. Uh, we had a discussion. I I told her, I told her off the bat. I said, listen. I'm not going to get in the way. This was last year. I said, I'm not going to get in your way. So don't take that as I'm not going to coach you because I'm here for you, but I'm not going to get in your way. You play unorthodox and I think it works for you. I think if I try to implement myself a lot in this, we would go down actually. But what I will do is we'll work mentally. We'll talk uh, the mental side of this thing. We'll work together on tricks and tips to keep yourself focused throughout the course of a game or um, next play type of mentality. And we could do all that stuff and we'll, we'll really hammer that stuff. But as far as physical and on field play, you're going to just be you and we're going to embrace that, you know? So we have a great relationship and um, you know, she's had tremendous growth in the last year and a half. 
That's awesome. I mean, there's nothing better than, you know, getting them to the correct spot or forcing them to the bad angle shot and your goalie comes up with a big save. I mean, I think For that sense sure. in college in a nutshell is just understanding that, that them getting a shot off is not a defeat. It's a win for good college defenses when they go to the, you, they take the shot that you want them to take. Exactly right. That's exactly right. If you could give up the shots you want, that is, that is a, pl- a plus. We'll take it. We'll get the possession out of it and, you know, uh, get it on the other end and give ourselves a chance to put it in their net for sure. Nice. And are you guys quick, quick transition, quick, clear, trying to push that pace for fast breaks or more of like the slow break? What's your main tactic? Yeah, we, we want to push the tempo. We want to get the ball out as quickly as we can, get it up the field, um, producing transition. I think, I mean, transition opportunities are five to 6% higher uh, than your average seven on seven uh, chances. So if you could score with some numbers, we're going to, we're going to put those up. Um, but we're also, we're also very conscious that we want to clear the ball, right? We'd rather have possession. So um, if, if, where if teams are kind of just getting ahead of our middies and we're not able to get it up the field there, we're okay with kicking it out and just clearing the ball and getting a, a settled possession in there too. We, we try to attack out of the early stuff too. We don't, we don't have uh, any lulls in our O. So as soon as we carry it over, it's, there's, you know, someone's not pulling the ball out saying, okay, settle, whatever, uh, get it around. We're in, we're in our action immediately. I mean, you know, we, we get, I get people call me all the time. Like, man, you, your average possession times like eight seconds. And I'm like, yeah, but the, sometimes in eight seconds, you get the highest quality shot you can get. So get it. <laughs> why are we going to, why are we going to have 60 second possessions when uh, you're getting 30 high quality shots in eight? So, you know, we, we get right into it and we try to produce off the bat. And, and from there, we're just working for the, the highest quality shot we can get. And that might come right away. It might come deep in the possession, but we're ready for it. I think that's a huge point to what your culture you're trying to create, though, is when they settle and they get it around, I think that's when girls start to overthink where if you just get it and you're going, they're in their natural flow from your practice setting. Correct. So I think they kind of change that mindset. Like, you know, so I think that helps those quick possessions for what you're trying to create and those shots you're trying to get off. Cause they're used to it from practice. I agree. I agree. It certainly limits uh, any time to think about anything other than the task at hand, which is creating an advantage, making a read and making a play. And um, you know, yeah, it, it definitely does that by getting right into it. I really never even thought of that from that perspective, but you're absolutely right. That's great. And then, so for your middies, are you guys running two A middies, A middies, D middies? What's your um, midfield style right now? We have uh, we have two lines. We run two lines right now. We have probably five two way guys uh, and one attack and and D mid pair. Um, and yeah, I mean we're confident in all of them right now. They. Uh, they're great. Our, our two-way guys have been solid on both ends of the ball, which we know the value in. I mean, it's, it, it is invaluable to be able to have players that can do that for you. They're, they're, they've been battling on the circle, on the draw circle, those midfielders as well. Um, you know, and then our attack and D mid pair are just really solid at their jobs. They, they do a really nice job at what they have to do for us. Um, so that's kind of been the, our structure from our midfielders. They're, they're, 
you know, in constant pursuit of um, uh, getting in great shape. I don't think that that ends. That's a, that's just a constant progression from, from the first day you get here till the time you leave. And, and listen, we, you know, at the end of the day, we, we don't need guys to come in at their peak shape. We need guys to come in at the point where we can get them to their peak shape. That's our job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so we, uh, we, we work with them and they're, they're, they're on that constant pursuit every day for us. And they've, they've been awesome. That's great. And now with them and your midfield situation, what's your ride style? Are you guys like a 30 ride, hundred ride? Do you want them to get in or are they kind of up hundred percent? We do. We do kind of like a, a little bit of a variance there at times. If we feel like we can create a turnover really quick, we'll, we'll push up and press it. Um, if, if, we just kind of want to make it difficult for them. We'll, we'll drop off to the 30 and let them try to try to beat us with their feet. Um, so I think it, it varies from where, where the clear starts sometimes to time of game uh, to just, you know, reading our guys too. How, how are we feeling? Like, do, you know, do, did we just have a long possession? You're not going to be subbing on that side. Right. So your midis just, probably just played that they play three or four possessions they just this is their first one we could get a little more aggressive so we're just reading situationally on on how to um come after that and uh you know reacting accordingly no i like that i mean sometimes i think i you know i'm not as deep in my high school but that's a huge point for those middies when they are tired or played a long possession you probably you all need to get on the same page and just maybe drop Exactly. Exactly. And we'll let, we'll let them run with some of that freedom too, where they can, they can dictate their, their pressure points or dictate, you know, how it should look. And, and we're going to trust them on that too. I mean, they're out there, right? So um, if they give us a a signal or or a look like, Hey, we need, we need to drop here and just play a a seven on seven. We'll, we'll allow them to make that decision on their own. That's great. Now, speaking of your three-man unit that you said they're battling, what is like? What are you doing on the draw? What are you, are you guys just trying to get a 50-50 ball, not really controlling it with the one person and making it, you know, a three-man unit trying to go for that ball and hunt them down? Yeah, so a little bit of both. I think that what I, one of the talking about learning from Northwestern, one of the things I learned is the power of the self-draw. I mean, you, you know, having people like. Alyssa Leonard for my first year there, Shelby Fredericks for a few years in between, and then ending with uh, Brennan Dwyer. All those guys were able to win it on their own. Um, So just knowing the value of that, um, we decided as a staff to really invest in that, in our takers' ability to do that. Uh, We felt like it was imperative to get more possessions. Um, And I'll be perfectly honest with you, Nicole uh, and Dorian, my assistants, just <laughs> just went all out here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have taken total ownership in this area. And I've said, guys, just go. And they have created um, a great, great environment to, to, to become successful in. And it started with, let's try to see if we can work on our self-draw. And, and then we had each one of our guys that we have identified as takers at the time, go home and, um, you know, gave, gave them a bag of tricks to kind of work on. And they all came back, you know, able to do it. Um, 
Mora Sissel, who's currently taking the most for us right now, really kind of separated herself in that area. And she's, um, she's done an excellent job for us in, in being able to get them herself. Uh, but we also hedge the fact that you're not always, you can't always rely on that. Right. And you know, that too, from your time as, uh, at Northwestern as a player and now as a coach that, if you just rely on that, then when the 50 fifties happen, you're probably losing them. Mm -hmm. So, so what we try to do is we try to get ourselves draws as, as good as we can get them. Um, and then do create opportunities that we believe are 70, 30 balls or 60, 40 balls, not 50, 50 balls. Right. Mm -hmm. And we did that through communication, um, through identification, meaning like, our draw giving the knowledge to our draw takers. And again, this is Nicole and Dorian. They, they, they did this, all of this. Yeah. Um, do, do I have it in my stick or did she have it in her stick? So those kind of things. And then how am I going to communicate to these guys to create a 70, 30, not 50, 50. We need, we need to have the, the deck stacked in our favor. Um, so, you know, and, and then from there, if it does happen to go towards a circle, we're in the most advantageous spot we could be in to, to come up with the ground ball. And um, that, that unit has done that. They've, they've throughout, you could look at every different game and, and different things happen. There were games we popped them and that was awesome. We were able to get possessions there. There were games we didn't pop them. They ended up going to the circle, but we were in advantageous spots and we came up with them. Um, you know, so just kind of having the, the variety there, uh, has, has really, really helped our group and, and given us possessions has, has done a ton for us as well. Less defense. I mean, you could go down the list of what it does for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, Kelly used to say you win the draw, you, you rule the world. And I mean, it's true. The best defense is no defense and yep. that could happen in lacrosse. Like, you know, I mean? absolutely. Or and win the draw every time. Absolutely. Crazy, but, um, yep. it's just so important. And that's a, we've been doing the same thing on my high school side, just working on that three-man unit. And sometimes, I don't know if you, you have the same issue. Sometimes my girls take the long way around to get the ball. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on like them, like reading that ball in the air, when to like just turn around rather than run forward and run. I'm like, you almost beat them running forward. And then the long way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how did you not react to that ball? Like in the air, but it's a harder concept, like just to realize you know, like, Oh, the ball's going over my head. Stop taking steps in and go back. Yep. Yep. And, and, and I'm sure you do it and we do it as well as trying to mock up as many of those reads as you can when, when you're working in with that unit, you know, and throwing some over the head and throwing some short and doing some with sticks, but knowing where the ball is going to go, all those different things kind of give you the opportunity to, to figure those things out. But I, yeah, we certainly see the same thing for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. I can't wait to wait. Who do you guys have next? We have Stanford. Uh, we're off this weekend. Got to buy Stanford on Friday. Well, big one. Yeah. Your Northwestern yeah. uh, protege yeah. going, going after each other there. That's been fun. That's it. What a, what a cool part of our conference. I mean, un pretty unbelievable. To think it is about actually that. crazy. I didn't realize how many there were. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, that's awesome. Well, I'm excited to keep watching you guys. The last thing we kind of end up, with here on this podcast is just a little advice for any, for the recruits, the 23s, I guess, out there getting ready for the summer. What's your biggest advice for like what you look for in a recruit and what they should be doing right now? Um, just so they can kind of, you know, always ease their mind, you know, they get a little antsy wondering what they should be yeah. doing. 
Yeah, I think first and foremost, my biggest message is have fun. Don't forget why you started playing this game. Um, you know, we all start. We all started playing this sport for the same reason. Uh, it should be what's driving you to continue to play today, uh, and that's fun. So don't lose sight of that. We we had a we all had a season lost, if not more than a season lost. Um, so just kind of knowing that. Uh, you know, to take advantage of every second that you have out there with your friends, with your stick in your hand. And, and, you know, I, I think that that will go the longest way that you can, that you can. Um, as far as what we're looking for in on-field stuff, um, you know, I think just control what you can control, right? Referees, rain, uh, hot days, uh, those are uncontrollable things. Do what you can do between the lines with the opportunities that you're presented with. We see all that, that stuff that we look for, you know, that, that is something that we, uh, you know, absolutely see. I think, you know, being a good, be a good teammate. So, you know, pick, pick people up when they're down. These are also things that we see, uh, be the first guy to run over to congratulate the score. Um, you know, and do it genuinely. I don't say that for you to do that, <laughs> just just to do it. Do it genuinely. Really, really be excited for 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 your teammates. Um, compete, compete hard. Compete every single minute you're out there. Another thing we see this stuff. This isn't just stuff I'm saying. We look for it and we actually see it happening. Um, so whether you, hey, we're out there at the 8 a.m. game, right? We're out there at the 8 a.m. game on on a Sunday. We are there. So, uh, you know, it should, it shouldn't matter if it's that game or if it's your Wednesday evening practice compete as hard as you can the entire time you're out there. Um, you know, that goes such a long way. And then I think lastly, uh, kind of like on par with the fun thing, but just love the game, love what you're doing. Um, find that sense of joy in this. And, you know, I, I think if you have, that love and passion, the skills, the results, the, the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. If you put the, that stuff first in front of the love uh, or the joy, you're going to have, it'll be tough. It'll be stressful. It'll be difficult for you. But if you put the love above all, um, the right thing will happen for you nine times great. out of 10. Great advice. And do you uh, recommend those that are, you know, really into Arizona state, they love your school. They love, they want to get more of it trying to get to a camp yeah where you guys are at yeah so we right now obviously with the rules kind of still up in the air we uh we don't have our dates set but we will get be getting dates as soon as those rules are lifted out and that is absolutely colleen as you mentioned the best way to 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 get yourselves in front of us is um you know get out to our prospect days get out to our camps that we'll be hosting throughout the summer and into next fall uh fall probably hopefully we have the ability to be out here so you could actually come see the place as well. But that is definitely the best way um, to stay connected and introduce yourselves and, and get on our radar for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Tim. We uh, always love having you on here, me and Jamie, but me today and good luck. Everyone should tune in and watch Arizona state because they're onto something great and they're exciting to watch. Appreciate it, Colleen. Great catching up as always. Thanks a lot. Hey, see you, Tim. See ya.